Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We hope everyone is doing well. This is the Emergency Nine Golf Podcast. I am Mike Maroney. McLean Boyd is with us. How are you fucking doing, pal? Move on, Mike. <laughs> Move on. You know how we're doing. We're here talking to you. We we could be better. <laughs> That's Jay's giggle you hear in the background, Jay. Happy to have you. I'm not going to ask you how you're doing because no one cares, I guess. So they don't. They don't. I'm here and I'm going to have the same response that I have every week. It sounds right. like good, good, doing good. One of these weeks, you're going to be like, you know, I'm fucking shitty, you know? Yeah. Just it's a bad week. <laughs> so it's welcome back. a really bad week if that's your if thought on a Monday. <laughs> <laughs> True. Yeah. Somebody's got a case of the Mondays. Uh, we are back. Um, talk a little golf. We're this, at the season finale of the 20, I guess, 2022, 2023 season. Um, I don't think I did this last week, but boys, what are we, what are we drinking tonight? Um, yeah, I'll, I'll go, I'll go first. There you go. Love it. Jump right in there. I, uh, picked up a bottle of Remus repeal, uh, number seven just came out here this past week. Wow. It's good. Pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. If you don't know about uh, the MGP product, you should look it up. It's pretty good. This is this bottle's pretty good. I mean, the Remus Repeal number five is like spot on. Everybody loved it. Six was probably second best, and we'll see about seven. So far, so good. Yeah. Yeah. McLean, as he shakes his head at you in dismay. I get my bourbon from Costco. They have $17.92 for $26.99. Man. That's where I'm at. It's a good place to be at. Hey, I'm Kirkland Life over here, buddy. I'm trying to get sponsored. (laughs) Um, I've got a couple of logo options available right now. I don't know if we're going to go side of hat, possibly sleeve, back yoke, or, you know, maybe a collar, a little collar. The collar's taken. The collar's taken. I've already got some real estate being gobbled up right there. (laughs) Well, I am right now, I'm on high noons. Just kind of a continuation from dinner. Oh, what flavor? Uh, this one is pineapple. Vodka or tequila? Vodka. It's a mess. The tequila one's good. It does give me a little bit of a headache, and it's more expensive. So you can get the nice 18, 18 packs at Costco is the play on the high noons. I haven't seen the high noon at Costco, or I would have gotten it. For yeah, sure. they got the 18 pack. Interesting. I will no. look on Saturday during my weekly trip. <laughs> well, good luck to you. So I might switch over to some bourbon here in a minute, but uh, currently on the on the high news. But so let's um let's get into a little golf because boys, we had a hell of a round yesterday, played by the one and only Mister Victor Hovland. I think I think someone on this podcast picked him to win too. No, did I pick him? No, you didn't. Are you sure? McLean, did you? No, but I was gonna. <laughs> I felt like he owed me. I look at it yesterday. And I'm just like, man, I just got a feeling that Scotty's out there in front. You know, I had a little money on Harmon, and I'm looking at him like, ooh, plus twelve hundred. He burned me last week at plus twelve hundred. Dare I fall victim again? And it was like literally, he texts me a middle finger. And I was just like, ha ha, in a in a Nordic <laughs> accent. It was ridiculous. Uh, uh, couldn't have been ha- couldn't have been happier for the guy. Yeah, 
I uh, I picked him on the show last Monday night. I said he would win. Put him on my DraftKings team. And I backed it up with a few shekels on him, plus sixteen hundred. It's a wonderful weekend. Just a great day. It's cute. Thank you. Like I can just sense how excited you are for me. <laughs> yep, that's, that's my enthusiasm for the subject. <laughs> um. So yeah, I mean, I think. It was one of the best rounds of golf I've watched in a while. I mean, a, th- a 30, a 28, a 61 on a Sunday to come from behind, beat the number one player in the world in the playoffs. Like, that's the best round I've seen in a long time. Maybe Cam Smith's final round at St. Andrews last year is up there. Definitely, this is the best round of golf this year, for sure. Over Bryson DeChambeau's 58. Over Bryson DeChambeau's 58. Yes. It's fun to hear you say it. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. Uh, all threes except for one four on the closing nine is pretty strong. It's pretty good. It was good. one hell of a back nine. I mean, watching it and seeing him over and over just stuff it. Even Every when shot. he hit it in that left rough, stuffs it. Uh, I think that was the closest one that he hit in there was the one from the left rough that he rolled in there to about a foot. Yeah, I, mean, I have the replay on in front of me, and he they just showed that shot. And he, yeah, it's like, I don't know, maybe 15 the, inches. The <laughs> yeah, pitch we, that he hit on – is it 15? The par, Is that the par five? Yeah. I mean, that pitch shot was pretty nasty. I mean – yeah. On the downslope, and I say nasty just because it's not like he hit it to an inch, but like for him, you know, knowing all the weaknesses that he's had with his short game and for him to hit a shot under the gun like that, and it's super thick rough on the downslope. I mean, he hit it, you know, to four or five, six feet, which is, but it was an incredible shot for him. <clears throat> I mean, in general, it was a cool shot, but like that's it, under the gun, under the circumstances, knowing how poorly he's chipped and his career and knowing he's got a chance to try to get up and down to make birdie to win the tournament was pretty good. The thing that was really cool. impressive is like, typically when you see someone go on a heater like that, especially the 28, just even just talk about the, the second nine holes, the last nine holes yesterday. They'll make a bunch of long putts. They make a bunch of long putts. You know, they, they start just getting unconscious make. and making, I think the longest putt. I'm trying to look it up right now. I should have had the step. I think the longest putt he made was like nine feet. Yeah, he had six birdie putts inside of eight feet. He made one longer than that. I want to say it was like 14 or 15 feet, but it was it was still a great shot in there. It's not like the birdie putt yeah. was like this mass recovery. He had a good iron shot in there. He made more of what you would call a routine birdie, not a yeah uh, slam dunk birdie after a great, great iron shot in there. Um, the part that I thought was pretty in- incredible was they all went in the center. None of them lipped in. Mm-hmm. None of them like fell in barely on an edge. They went in the dead center. I think he's an underrated putter. Yeah, I think so too. I was thinking the same thing. Like he he rolls it good. I mean, a couple of those putts, like you were saying, McLean, you watched the line on his ball and he he hit them and they were hugging the ground and like yeah. he hit them dead, dead solid right in the center. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's you know, given like I said, given the circumstances, that's that's pretty incredible. Really solid putts. Didn't look like there he had any nerves coming down the stretch. Really, that's exactly right. Yeah, that's exactly right. It was, uh, yeah, it was incredibly impressive. And one of the other things to note: counterbalance putter. Another one for the counterbalance. 
telling you, buddy, it's it's hot and spicy right now. It's so weird that it's been around for 10 years and it's like, why is it all of a sudden spicy again? Yeah. Well, look, it's the same thing as what happened with the adjustable driver. You know, adjustable driver came out, went away, and then came back out. Now it's industry standard. Um, There's a couple different things you could say about that, or a couple different things that have happened over time in golf that you could say about that. Um, You know, a, a golf club with an injected mold inside the head. First done in the ICW iron um, in the 80s. That that technology was patented. And now we're starting to see almost every company come out with something similar to that. Um, you know, it, it's it's a... Was that the tailor-made iron back in the day, the poor preferred? ICW. ICW, yeah. that's exactly right. I mean, that iron was sweet i remember my uncle playing those and i was like man he was a tailor-made guy and i was like these are so sweet and i didn't even really play golf and i just was like these are cool sounds like um sounds like classic yeah yeah true yeah so it's good stuff it's good stuff but yeah they hold that patent um they make an incredible iron now by the way but long story short yeah it's it's something that we have seen certain times in golf where something will be created or have a little bit of buzz dip away. And then all of a sudden someone tries it again and finds success with it. Then it starts to steamroll and you start to see that domino effect. And that's what we're seeing with the counterbalance putter right now. So I wouldn't be surprising. We start to continuously see more of that. And we see more people putting them in the bag. I mean, we've already seen that initial kind of burst with guys getting into the counterbalance putter, I mean, you're, you're seeing more now than you ever have. We don't know if that could become the new standard. I mean, th- that's how wild it could be. You know, it, it's the same thing when you look at the adjustable driver head, um, adjustable wood heads. That's now industry standard. It was not always like that. And what are your thoughts on a counterbalance putter with more of a traditional grip like every counterbalance counterbalance putter that i've ever seen has got this big huge grip and that that's one of the biggest things that deters me from is like i just feel like i'll I'll lose a little bit uh, a little bit of feel when i use that super oversized grip like what i mean i haven't seen i've not seen a counterbalance it's almost going to be like a belly putter length grip that's what hoblin uses yeah when when makes one Wind makes one. One that's wind makes a them. narrow, more of a narrow one. That's yeah. what Hoblin uses. It's more yeah, of a oh, narrow. Really? I think it's an old belly putter grip. It's kind of more your more standard, um, you know, diameter. More of more of like a, a large pistol grip, basically. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's a start. Yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously, obviously, I've used more of a your like ping, you know, ping answer grip or what? What, are, what is? I don't know what the exact title of the grip is but your traditional ping putter grip that tiger used forever i'm going to use something similar to that whether it's via scotty cameron or iomic but the same shape um but it would be cool to have something a little thinner with that counterbalance feel like you've got a little bit more weight behind your hands that would be different i mean kind of like we've seen with scotty scheffler this week you know going to that i think that's part of the the reason a lot of these guys that like that Newport style, that that full offset, they don't like to go to the, these bigger mallet. And then again, this this tailor-made putter looks great. It's not a bigger head; it's a smaller head. But the, even just any mallet whatsoever, 
they want to be able to have that that offset that they're used to seeing with the with that new port yeah, or so, that ping answer look. And you see Scotty had this custom made for him and obviously he putted much better. Didn't get it done. He missed a putt at the end, but he definitely putted much better. So what that comes down to, we've talked about this on here before. This is where I think that probably 90, if not higher than 90% of amateurs should be playing a mallet putter with some sort of one. They should, should be playing a mallet. I would then go on the backside of that saying a large portion of them should be playing a mallet with some toe hang to it. The biggest benefit that's happened and why you see so many guys on tour playing it is ultimately because you now have the benefit of the face, the toe hang, and the um, the open and close ratio of a blade now in a mallet form with higher forgiveness, higher MOI. Uh, and that's where the, uh, I've already said benefit, but that's where the opportunity to get putts more to the hole, not miss as many putts short because of a slight miss hit really ends up taking shape. Um, I see a lot of amateurs that have no business playing a blade, playing a blade, and they don't take into consideration. And it's funny because if you ask people like, do you hit most of your putts solid? People will kind of look at you funny because it's literally never occurred to them. But the reality of the, uh, of the situation is that they don't hit most of their putts solid. Uh, as with golf shots, the higher the handicap, the fewer amount of putts being hit solid. If you can get a mallet in someone's hands with a higher MOI, more forgiveness, they will have higher success. With the options now with the neck, I would put almost all, not every amateur, but let's just say for the large majority of the golfing population, I would put in a mallet putter at this point. I, yeah, I, agree. I agree with that. I want the putter that Scheffler's using just without a line. I want that so exact just, putter. Just getting ready to say, just get rid of those fucking lines for Jay. I think honestly, after you know talking to David Orr and a couple other guys, David Orr is a you know big putting guru, but a bunch of other people, you know, Bob Rotella, another one. And again, he wasn't so much a putting you know guru as much as David Orr is. But the more and more people I talk to, they say that majority of the players, if you use the line at all whatsoever, you should definitely not have a line on your on your putter and they are more of a proponent of no line at all on the ball or on the putter they feel like you should just let your vision you know in terms of seeing the ball curve rolling and and how it enters the cup most people putt better that way than than they do when they line it up with a line i i still use a line you know again I, we talked about this you know a couple of weeks ago golf spy did or my spy did a uh, a test on uh, using the line from different uh, ranges from five feet, from 10 feet, from 15, from 20 feet. And the people who use the line from five feet and then putted slightly better than those who didn't use the the line, but from 10, from 15, from 20 feet, they putted uh, exponentially worse, worse, I'm sorry, than, than they did when they used the line. Just again, I think it's a visual thing. Um, it makes sense. I mean, especially with the brakes. Yeah, it's just it messes your your vision up with the, because you really need to play. Most players need to play more break than they than they think. And so when you put this line down, you always end up under reading putts for the most part. I'm saying most players do that. So you taking away that line, it's like okay, just let your feet, let your eyes, you know, do the reading for you and just see the ball rolling into the cup. Um, that was his big thing. That was David Orr. So I don't know. I just 
I definitely putt better when I don't have a line on there. Um, kind of, it makes me too try to get, I try to get too specific, I guess is the best way to say it. So and I think it's okay for some higher handicappers to use it. Sure. Some of them are so bad. Yeah. At, at sure. it, uh, whether it's either a training aid on the putting green or yeah, they're, they're probably going to read the part wrong, but I think some people just need to bring the target a little closer to them or the object of sure. what they're trying to aim to a little closer to them. I, I think would, you can, would, you graduate from that. Yeah. Agreed. I, I would say you're better, your single digit, your single digit handicap and you're, you're, better players in your in your professional so sorry i mean i'm i i'm used to looking at it that way sure let's change choking over there you're right there. Hey, jay look at look at what i just sent you in the group text i thought i needed that <laughs> did, no you, did you, you still did. hear me call no no, no, no we couldn't hear you call. we could just <laughs> see the visuals of it we were a little yeah, concerned so there for a second looked aggressive <laughs> okay, I was aggressive. you give yourself the heimlich there for a minute <laughs> almost died <laughs> um let's go back to victor though i mean this has been this is like a massive breakout year for victor he finished top 20 in all four majors I, I gave him a hard time. I love Victor as a person. I like watching him hit the golf ball. I gave obviously give him a hard time for his chipping. And my big thing was he needs to win some bigger events. Well, he won Memorial back in June. He wins this. He contends in almost all the majors. So I, I don't know. I think now that's the next next step for him. Either win this week, get a big title FedEx Cup, and or go into next year and win a major. I, I agree. I mean, like, I mean, I, I, I again, I've, we, I've, we've talked about this in the past. I mean, I, even, you know, three years, I guess it's been three years since he came on tour. This is his third year, right? He turned pro in 2019. Okay. Like so the summer last, of 19. Gosh, it's been that long. Wow. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think he's got the, it, it seems like from everything that I see, he's got an incredible work ethic. Um, and he obviously is a talented guy, a U.S. amateur champion. But more importantly, I think he's got just the, this spot-on, perfect attitude for golf. Like he wants to excel, and he wants to be the best that he can be. But at the same time, it's just like a perfect blend of like, hey, you know what? This is still golf. Like, and I get it. And I, you know, I don't. I think he just gets it, which I think is a huge part of success, especially at that level uh, with that type of competition. Um, I don't know. It seems like he's just, it's just, it, it, for me, it seemed like a matter of time and nothing against, he came out with Matt Wolf, Morikawa, and there was one other person, right? It was four of them that came out at the same time, right? Yeah. The one that did it, uh, Justin Saw was like kind of the fourth stud that came out of college. He just hasn't quite, I thought the other displayed better than that. Um, Um, I can't remember, but. It would not. I mean, I know Morikawa has kind of led the way here with two majors, but uh, and again, I've, you've all heard my take on Matt Wolf. You know, great player, n- not a not a long-standing PGA Tour. Uh, and not, again, obviously, live golf now, but I don't think he's a long-standing professional golfer with with his things that he's got going on, and and he's got not only his golf swing, but he's got other things going on, and too many things just don't add up. So I. I felt that way from the beginning, but I do feel like Hovland 
in the grand scheme of things, at the end of both of those guys' career, I think it's going to be a lot closer than people may think right now between Hovland and Morikawa. I, I would almost say that Hovland may edge him in terms of wins and majors in the long run. Um, that's just me. I it'll think be a good little, well, I think it'll be, it'll a, be a good, good little battle. Good test. I mean, well, it'll gotta, be super you, close. You got to look at it this way too. You know, Morikawa started hotter mm-hmm. and he's cooled off a little bit. Hovland started a little slower and he's heated up a little bit. We also, all three of us know that's golf. Yeah. No one's going to ride a wave forever. Everyone has off years, no matter what they look like. And it's all relative, right? Tiger's off year was, you know, a lot of people's career years. But on the backside of that, it was still an off year. You know, he didn't win six times. He won once or twice, and they were eight months apart. He had a bunch of, you know, he had one missed cut and and a bunch of top 30 and 25s. Um, but he still broke through twice. But we consider that an off year because what Tiger trained us to think a good year for him is like. Now, all of a sudden, we got to see what Scotty's going to do. You know, quite frankly, not trying to change the, the situation, but, you know, Scotty right now is on fire. He's on top of the game. He's held the number one position for a pretty substantial amount of time. And is he going to continuously back this up? For how long is he going to be able to do it? How long is Hoblin going to be able to do it? Is he going to take over number one? Is he going to ride this for the next two, three years? Um, you know, we don't know what these guys down years and good years look like yet. They're tough to define because they're still so young. Have we already seen their good years? Have their good years yet to come? Are we going to see more bad years? That That's what's tough because these guys are so young. You know, you look at a guy like a Lucas Glover, for example, we know what a bad year for him looks like. He's all of a sudden turned this around into a good year. He had a bunch of really good years early on in his career. As Brian Harmon's comments came in, the guy's a world beater. And it's so cool to see another guy grab grab his boys back like that. That's just that's just fun. Just good hearted shit right there. Um but for the for the listeners, a writer called Glover Journeyman. And Brian Harmon in his press conference was asked about Glover and and brought that up and was just talking about how that's like an insult to Glover because He's won six times in a major in and a major, you know, and I believe he's played on a Ryder cup team. If I'm not mistaken, uh, President's no, maybe cup it was president's team. cup. Maybe it was president's yeah. cup. Yeah. But still to make it in, you know, I, I was always asked growing up if I could play in one golf tournament, what it would be. My answer was always the Ryder cup because I knew if I played in the Ryder cup, I played in the other four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the fact mm-hmm. that he made it to the Ryder cup or president's cup, regardless of which you, you're not making it on one of those teams without playing all four majors and playing well uh, and playing well. Uh, it's an incredible accomplishment. And like with anyone, Lucas Glover's bad years look different than a lot of others' bad years. They look better than a lot of other bad years. They look worse than some other bad years. But that's where it's tough to really define that yet. So at the end of the day, I think, ooh, as the dust settles, <laughs> I think we will end up, um, as we get a larger sample size for these players, being able to really define what that looks like. And I'm excited to see both of them continue to play well, because I think they're both great for the game. Great role models. Um, I like both of their games. I will say I, I love Victor's move because I'm a fan of a little bit of a homemade move. Um, But man, Colin Morikawa's golf swing, just, you could just sit there. He's one of those guys you stop and watch hit golf balls. Like if he's just hitting seven irons for an hour, I could take a fold out chair, sit behind him with a six pack 
and not say a word, possibly film a couple, but literally not say a word. Not <laughs> to go in depth on Morikawa, he's actually had a, a sneaky good year ball striking that you, he, if you look at some of the strokes gain numbers, I, I'd have to dig more into his other areas, but like his ball striking has been really good this year. It's like the best of his career, yep. but he hasn't sniffed winning, I think, because of other areas in his game. But, um, Let's, you brought up Scotty too. Let's 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 talk a little Scotty. Let's dig in. He's not winning. Why is he not winning? He's the best he ball striker in the world by a shit ton. He doesn't make sure putts. Well, we this That's is it. this is another conversation where we're going in too early. Um, just because the guy doesn't win. Doesn't mean he's not having great events and not playing extremely well. Oh, I didn't say I he's didn't say won he a, he's won a ton and he's still putting himself right there, still holding on to that world number one ranking. It's not like the guy's missing cuts and he's not finishing 25th and 30th. You know, he's he's putting up a lot of top tens. I think we all know why he's not winning, but I think he's getting closer to putting more trophies on the mantle. He's not far off. Well, no, of course he's not no. far off. That's not what we're saying. I, I, I'm just saying, I mean, he was, I think the number was, he was 14. I think it was T to green. Yeah, it was almost 14 and a half strokes better than the field this week. T to green. 14 and a half strokes gain. I've heard that's good, yeah. And then lost two around on the greens, putting. You know, he was 38th out of 50 players in putting this week. I He's... I know he switched putters, what, two weeks ago? He's now two weeks with a new putter. Maybe you give it one more week, but it's unworldly how good he's hitting the ball. And I think I think this week was a little better. I mean, I don't. did you have the stats pulled up in front of you? I looked at them briefly. I have this week, so I can pull up uh, last week's as well. Yeah, I think, I think this week he was definitely a little bit better uh, putting-wise. So he was minus than- one, minus 1.8. 38th in the field this week. Uh, that's not great. But again, I, I don't know. A, a 50 man field is always weird to kind of see where you are. Strokes game putting. I don't, I don't know. It, it, from the eye test, it looked like he made a few more. Obviously, he missed the putt on 17, which cost him. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, I, I felt like he made, he made a, a long putt on, was that 14? 13 or 14. He made yeah. a, 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 like a, 25 30 footer and he put it well on saturday what's that he put it well on saturday yeah the the longer putts don't i mean he i think for the most part he puts he puts the ball decently from that distance his speed's okay it's not great but when he has those you know three to six foot putts he just he just doesn't make them you know and it doesn't you know watching him putt without seeing him in person standing directly behind him you watch him putt and it's not like it's not like he's got a weird little motion or a hitch in his stroke. The rhythm doesn't even look that bad, you know, which normally that's like the first thing you see from somebody who can't make a short putt. You're like, oh, you can just tell, he, he, you know, a short backswing, overrush the the follow through, over acceleration, or something weird, you know, or or long backswing and decelerate. You can see it, but like when you watch him putt these short putts, it looks good. Like I, I mean. Like I said, just watching on TV, it doesn't look that bad. It just it just doesn't go in. I don't know if he's just re- maybe reads the ball, reads the putts really poorly, or maybe that's what it is. Aren't so I did actually hear. Um, where did I hear this? Yesterday or today? 
I listen to so many damn podcasts, I forget where I hear these things, so I apologize. But there was a rumor, someone said at at FedEx last week, one of the players told the reporter that played with him that Teddy Scott, his caddy, looked at him and he goes, it's simple, just an edge putt. And Scotty turned to him and goes, what edge? <laughs> That's not good. <laughs> That's not a good sign. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that maybe that's what it is maybe he just can't see the putts and he just doesn't trust them because again it, it, that that could be you could be exactly right like it, it could just he just can't see them because the stroke that he's making he, the the physical act of the stroke looks pretty good i mean it's nothing, not a yippee stroke no there's nothing glaring about that stroke you're like oh that's it you know that's why he doesn't make those putts i mean i look at it and i'm like it looks i've seen people with worse strokes that putt great you know, I mean, I play with Billy Mayfer, and that that thing is like all over the place. Um, but but you know, you watch him putt, and you're like, it looks pretty good. Like, why did you miss that? Like, there's nothing that stands out when he misses these six footers. Um, yeah. you know, maybe that's it. Maybe he just really can't see the line and can't he trust to go it. to aim point or maybe maybe he needs to hang out with Adam Scott for a couple of weeks and see if he can teach him something. Yeah, so looking at his numbers at um at FedEx. St. Jude last week, he was almost minus three putting. And then this week, almost minus two. It's not great. No, but better. <laughs> Definitely better. And he only lost by one this week. Could you imagine? Lost by two. two. Lost by two. Sorry, giving up two shots around and finishing second. Two Pretty shots good. around. Was that, two, was that's, that, that's for the tournament. For the tournament. Oh, okay. okay. That's for the tournament. Well, that's. That makes sense. You know, that if you just, if you're average, if you're average middle of the road relative to the field, you are in a playoff. In a playoff. That's it. Just... And there's some weeks, there's some weeks where he can still give shots away to the field and, and he would have won. If he had just given like a half a shot or one shot, he would have won. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. I mean, it's just, there's just so many strengths he has everywhere else and it's not really subsiding you know you, you talk about what's what's sustainable what's more sustainable hitting it as well as he is or putting it as poorly as he is uh, i think it's it's he is less likely to keep hitting it as well as he is i mean you did you watch the couple there was a couple there was a three what he hit on I don't know, 14 or 15, one of the closing holes, maybe it was 16. I, but his both of his feet moved like a foot and a half <laughs> through impact. And it it was like the commentator just kind of sloughed it off. But had that been like Tiger or any other player, they'd be like, holy cow, how did he make contact with that ball? <laughs> you know, his yeah. feet were all over the place. But because we're so used to seeing him slide his feet all over the place, we don't even think about it. But his feet are moving so much on the ground. It's insane. It's really insane that he hits it as good as he does doing that. I yeah. still can't believe it. I, I do think it probably balances out both of them. And I still think he's probably a good player. I don't think he's going to hit it as well. I think he puts a little better, but still is a mediocre putter, but he tapers off with how good of a ball striking is. Yeah. I think it's, he's just so like, his numbers, his ball striking numbers this year are so unbelievable. It's like this can't keep up forever. Crazy. I mean, he he just I think I just read he had the second best ball striking year 
on record as far as strokes gained. So the last 20 years, um, next to Tiger in 06. Crazy. Is that going to keep up? You know, so I saw this chart and I forget who posted this or what, where the chart's from, but they put the top 50 players in the or top 50 players, I guess, in the field, the FedEx Cup for the year. And where they are, strokes gained, T to green, total. So adding up all their stats for the whole year, every round. He is at 215 total. The second best was Rory, who was at like 125. He's got a 90-shot advantage on the second player, strokes gained, T to green. That's over Rory McIlroy? That's over Rory McIlroy, who's also had (laughs) an unbelievable ball-striking year. And he, what's the separation between Rory and the third place player? Not much. I mean, probably- it's, uh, <clears throat> Cantlay was, uh, Cantlay was third. So there's no numbers on here, but Cantlay was probably like 121. So a few shots behind Rory. Then it was, uh, then it was Hovland, then it was Rom. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's absurd when you see it on a chart like this when he's so far ahead of everyone else. And they also had it relative. It's on a chart relative to his putting. He's very low on there, but he's way ahead. It's just, I don't know. He's got to do something. Like, I, I understand what you're saying, McLean. Like, man, he's right in it every every week. But at some point when you're hitting it that well, you're number one player in the world. You got to win tournaments. You got to get over the edge. Got to do something. Yeah. Well, I do think I like, I don't think, I, I know I like the fact that he's got this new mallet putter in play. I think it will take, a little time to get used to it because it is so different from what he's used for so long. But ultimately I think that he will end up seeing more success um, with that putter long-term if he sticks with it. No, I'm, I hope so. Cause I'm going to buy the same putter that he's using. <laughs> no, you're not. I'm just, I'm just, yes, I am. I'm going to try to get the closest, closest thing I can. To, yeah, you can to, get close. Looks you like get close. That That's a one-off. No, no, I'm not going to get the exact same thing, but I'm going to get as close to I can as what he's getting. Because I think that putter, again, we've already talked about this, and I love for dots on the top and not lines, but I'm going to, I'm, I'm excited about that putter. I just sent you one you can order with a dot on it. Let's go. Sign me up. We're going to do it. Look at that. Look at that, folks. He's making sales during a podcast. I mean, I'm, I'm at the point in my career where I'm going to do all I can to buy a game. Instead of actually practicing and working hard, <laughs> always be Go closing, putt. Mike. Always be closing. <laughs> yeah, it's just what a salesman. Um, so I have a I have a take. They need to completely change locations of these tournaments for the playoffs. There needs to be a tournament in Chicago every year. Those fans were awesome the atmosphere out there was great they had that triple decker shout out danny ellis uh foundry member we shot out in the past he he built those it was just a really cool scene and build out and the fans are awesome i don't know and this is my take there's four cities that need to host playoff events Uh, well we know chicago new york boston philly all the playoff events need to be in those four cities didn't Pick the Boston coming three three of those cities every year. <laughs> That's weird, Boston. Why would you want to go there? Yeah, right. Because it's fucking great sports fans, and 
it's not Memphis or Atlanta in August when it's a hundred million degrees and thunderstorms. Like I, I agree. I don't disagree with that. I think I'd love to see something out on Long Island. Yeah, do it. The, New, like, New York fans would be great. Like, and the weather's gonna be better than Memphis or Atlanta in fucking August. Like, go to Memphis and Atlanta in October, April, May, like you know, Memphis. Yeah, Memphis in August is. It's like our, every time they, they. When did they move that event? Like, what is it? Three years ago? Four years like ago? That. Four years ago? Yeah. And I remember when they put that on the schedule. I'm like, what in the hell are they thinking? I'm like, oh, FedEx. That's their. Yeah. That's their place. That's I mean, I get they, it. The money. Talks, I get it, but it's like, but, man, can you go anywhere else? Like, <laughs> anywhere else? <laughs> I, I just don't like. And, and those four cities that I mentioned don't have normal stops on the PJ tour. Like those are four yeah. amazing sports cities that have great, great golf courses, classic golf courses. And they don't go there. It's like, what are we doing people? We're going to go to fucking Iowa or Illinois or whatever for the John Deere. And like, we go to Texas six times a year. Like, can we, can we spread the wealth a little bit and go to these great American sports cities and at a better time of year where the weather's better? I, yeah, I mean, for them to go to the Tri Cities and you know, the like I said, the, like you said, the three M. Why would why would you go there when you could go to Chicago or even even Boston? But if you want to go to the Midwest, you go to Chicago. Like, yeah, think about the sponsorship opportunity. Why 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 Iowa? Like, what's what's the pull there? And I I understand there's there's way more into all this, and it it's way more complicated yeah. than I'm I'm making it sound, but. I don't know. It's like why? Why? How are those cities not hosting a PJ tournament? I'd love to see if we're going to make the playoffs, the playoffs, and which is what the tour, FedEx, and everyone wants to see. They'll start incorporating some of these major championship venues into playoffs. You know, I agree. You could you could have a rotational schedule, or you could go back to back. I don't know if some of these venues want to host a yearly event, but. You know, if we're gonna if we're gonna build this up to what it needs to be, let's go to some of these iconic properties. Um, you know, what wh- what about Winged Foot? They've shown their abilities to host a, a, a major golf tournament. Um, what's wrong with making them a playoff stop? Let's go out on you know Long Island somewhere. Um, yeah, let, let Chicago has a litany of incredible golf courses. Well, it pretty um, much used to be that way with the BMW, they used to rotate around the Chicago area, and then you had. Um, you know, was it the first event back in the day or one, one, maybe it was the second or third, but we always did it on, um, Labor Day. Yeah, the at, the, at Deutsche, the Deutsche, Deutsche Bank. Deutsche Bank used to be in, in on Monday, like in Boston. Think, that was a, yeah. And I want to say, well, what, what's the New York used to have one at Ridgewood. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ridgewood Liberty National great, used to host one. Both, both good properties. I don't know if Liberty's quite as, yeah. I don't know if it's tough enough to host, but a good venue. Good. You're going to get good crowds there. Um, but let's let's take it out on Long Island. Let's play some of these you know, Sabonics and um Shinnecock. You know, let, let's go to let's go to Quaker Ridge, par seventy, tight little golf. There course. we go. There we go. I I thought the venue this week was great. I really think it was fantastic. I've been fortunate enough to play that golf course. It is a fantastic track, a great test of golf. Um, it's in Chicago. You're going to get a great uh, great showing. Um, it's a shame it, it was so wet. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you know, something else you could do is kind of pick a city that has multiple great golf courses. I mean, in Chicago, you could run it over to Medina. Um, 
you know, rotate around that way. You, know, you aren't saturating these properties because they probably don't want a yearly event, but if we're going to build out these playoffs and make them what everyone wants them to be. Yeah. Let's go ahead and do it. Give, let's, let's give the viewers you. some, uh, some familiarity with, with but, the events. Like, okay, they're going to these three courses. Yeah, I like your idea. It's a Chicago. It's a Chicago stop. It's it might Chicago be a different course, stop. but it's Chicago. It's the New York yeah, yeah. stop, but it's a, you know, Absolutely. A bunch of great venues in those areas where you could host, um, you know, you could have a three, three course rotation of, mm-hmm. you know, top properties that these guys kind of rotate around year after year. And I think it helps to build on what we want out of these playoffs. Let's, let's give the viewers more of a reason to be in tune. I mean, it is the playoffs and we're definitely you know watching and we're taking note, but if we're able to do it at a top venue, such as a wing foot or, a, you know, Boston Golf Club's not going to host one, but um, Philly, you know, Philly Cricket. Um, they have a bunch of good venues up there. And, you know, part of it is, too, is they need the infrastructure and space and all that kind of stuff. And so I, I get that. But still, like, okay, I just pulled up the Atlanta weather for this weekend. 111. This is just not, ha- not a factoring in heat index. This is just temperature. 95 on Thursday, 99 Friday, 99 Saturday, 92 Sunday. Like, fuck off. Like, what are we doing here? <laughs> like, yeah, it's going to be hot. It's going to be real hot. That's stupid. Like, poor Lucas Glover's pants. Like, what? <laughs> I think they, I think they've sent him some really nice microfiber. Uh, like sent him zero chance they're going to let that happen again. Yeah, they've got to be like, hey, you've got to wear these pants. And he's like, I'm sorry. I mean, I there's going to be like a link where the color is. There's going to be a link wrap every third tee. Like, here's a new pair. Go change. Go in the woods and yeah. change. Find a porta potty and go change. I just want to know what John Ashworth's text messages look like on that Sunday. Because all of his industry <laughs> friends are like, bro. <laughs> yeah, you're like, man, like this product is looking a little cottony. <laughs> Goodness. Oh God! So that was my that was my bone to pick on. Like, no, I think it's a good point, Mike. I I, I do. I think, like I said, taking your point, taking it one stop further. Let's let's showcase some of these top venues. Let's take the playoffs yeah. and put it up into that upper echelon that you know the PGA Tour obviously wants. FedEx would love. Um, the players, I think, would also get behind it. So that was just kind of the Chicago fans. Like, I love Chicago. Everybody knows I love Boston, but Chicago is one of my favorite places in the United States. It's just an awesome city with some great people and great sports fans. And it was on display this week. And I was like, man, we should become, especially because it's called the Western Open. This is essentially the Western Open, which gets moved around, which has been in New York. You know, it has been at Caves Valley. Like, what are we doing? The Western Open should be in the Midwest somewhere. Uh, But, that's like the uh, ACC looking at bringing Cal. <laughs> yeah, that, that, how about that? that? Yeah, that, Cal that and Stanford. Yeah, the Cal Atlantic, and Stanford to the, the Atlantic, Atlantic Coast Conference. Coast Conference. <laughs> no, but that, that's, I think you're exactly right. I mean, look, you could take it up to Kohler. I bet Whistling Straits would host an event every year, and that's a great venue that you're going to have good weather at. Yeah, um, exactly. I, I agree with you. You could go Oakland Hills in Michigan. Um, there are some great venues out there that we could certainly host this event in a more weather-friendly location. Yep. So, 
Um, anything else on the BMW playoffs to this point? Uh, Scotty Hovland. No, no great, Not, great tournament no. by both of the guys, but yeah. yeah, it was it was fun. Uh, I did I do wish the golf course played a little firmer. It just they got all that rain like Tuesday, Wednesday, and put the ball up for a day. And yeah, we can't blame them for that though. No, can't blame them for that. You know, because it played. Everyone was expecting so hard because when it was here three years ago, four under one, you know, it was in a playoff. There was five guys under par. So you go from that to 17 under on the same golf course with no changes made to it. You know, it's like, whoa, what the hell happened? But well, it got a little either, but I'm okay with double digit under par. I think yeah. it does make for a little more entertainment. Um, you know, maybe not 17 is a lot, but you know, when it comes down to this, it, I don't get me wrong. I love tough tournaments. I love tough golf courses. I, I love to see the guys, um, you know, stay in that single digits. But that that should be, in my eyes, reserved for the majors and potentially the tour championship. And I'm not so certain we shouldn't find another venue for the tour championship. Well, luckily, and we can get that. We'll get through our picks here. And luckily, the tour championship is getting blown up on Tuesday, next Tuesday, not tomorrow. The golf course. The golf course. Yeah. Sorry. The East Lake is getting blown up and redone by one Andrew Green. So, shout out Andrew. I uh, had a phone call with Andrew last week. Great guy. Good luck to him and his crew down there. But yeah, East Lake needs a needs a facelift. So, yeah, I um, disagree. We got a little time. Do we want to talk rollback? I was going to talk Ryder <laughs> Cup. Ryder Cup is the obvious next. So the final six have been solidified. Scheffler, Clark, Harmon, Cantlay, Homa, Xander gets into the top six, like just barely over Kepka. Uh, I think he beat him by like 30, not even 30 points, which I think just goes off a dollar or 30. Yeah, something it goes off a of dollars to an extent. But um all right, so that that brings up a huge question mark. Does Brooks Kepka make the team? And Jay, you brought this up a little bit last week. What are you gonna get from him? We don't know. Is he on the squad? Well, I think one of the ways to look at this. What have the guys under him done this year in relation to him when they've competed together? You've got Spieth, who's not had a great year. He barely got into the tour championship. And it came down to Adam Shank, ultimately, and whether or not he birdied two of the last few holes to get in. And he did. He did. Kudos to Jordan Spieth. Not taking anything away from him. But he's ranked eighth. He is... 27th, I believe, in the FedEx Cup rankings, if I if I read that correctly, if I'm quoting my my thoughts correctly here. 29th. Okay, Mike, you know, Mr. Perfect. Great. I did I just um <laughs> you questioned yourself, so I was answering I, your I, question. He he's got three guys below him in the rankings. That's why I thought that's what the that anyways. <laughs> so you look at Cameron Young, Colin Morikow, Keegan Bradley, Sam Burns. Do you take a guy and Nothing net, nothing against any of these other guys. Let me be very clear on that. But a guy like Sam Burns, for example, putting him against Brooks Kepka in a format that Brooks has played before. We don't know if Brooks has ever cared. I think he cares right now. I think he's back in that situation. Everyone kind of feels like he part of him may regret the live move. 
But putting him against Kepka in this format where Brooks at least has some experience, is he the guy that you want instead of Brooks Kepka? And I think that's how you have to look at it. Does is Keegan Bradley? Would you rather have him than Brooks Kepka? He's got a he's, he's played some Ryder Cups before. He's got a little experience. Colin Morikawa, I think you know, he's he's on the team. Cameron Young, Jordan Spieth, I would be confident feeling like all three of those guys will get the nod. But when it goes down to you know Keegan Bradley and a Sam Burns, that's where the conversation starts to enter whether or not you want these guys. I mean, I think Ricky makes the team. I think he ends up skipping one of those guys. But when you look at Kepka, would you rather have him or would you rather have Sam Burns or Keegan Bradley? Jay, what do you think? It's a no-brainer. I mean, I, it's Kepka. I mean, he's six six five. What's his record? Six five and one uh, in his career, uh, Ryder Cup. And uh, in all honesty, I mean, if you go back historically and you look at the the pick since they went to uh, the only the top six, and then you basically the captain's picks for the next six. They've historically given the top 10, those next four slots have always gone to the people who are in the rankings. And then the last two, maybe one guy's not playing well or is hurt, but for the, unless, you know, unless somebody else is hurt in those, those first four, six through 10, or I'm sorry, seven through 10 predominantly, or, uh, historically they will, they will give those spots to the top 10 guys. And then they have a little bit of leeway with 11 and 12, because that's the way it's always been. It used to be the top 10 guys and they pick two spots. Um, so it's almost like these captains have kind of just, I don't know if that's just a, a timing thing. Like they're just used to doing it that way. And they're always, you know, uh, you know, referencing old captains. Hey, what do you do here? You give it to the top 10 guys and you can maybe pick, you know, the next two guys, but historically they, they will pick the, the, the top 10 guys. And I don't see how you don't put Brooks Kepka on this. If he were playing in the, any of these events, he would have accumulated enough points and, and got it. And if you look at what he did, you know, with a basically half of the time that some of these, these other guys did Less only playing. Less. Yeah. You know, and, and only having what, how many he played in four majors four this year, yeah. four events that he was accumulating points and he was still, he missed by 29 points. 29 points and he's seventh place. Um, I don't see at six five and six five and one. I don't see how you keep them all. But I do think it's the top 10 guys. And then after that, then it's just going to be a, a matter of of who Zach has a, a relationship with, who he thinks can connect with the other players. I mean, Keegan has a pretty decent record. Uh, from a Roderick standpoint, his match play record is really poor from a professional standpoint when he's playing for himself, 112 and something. It's not good. But when it comes to Ryder Cup, the the one year that he played, he had a pretty good, pretty good run. Um, and then you look at Sam Burns, never played, but then here's a guy who won uh the match play this year. So that throws a whole new wrinkle in, in things. Um, and then Ricky, obviously, everybody loves Ricky. Who doesn't want to play with Ricky Fowler? I don't think if you go down the list, Denny McCarthy, no shot. Justin Thomas, no shot. Lucas Glover, if he plays his tail off this week and finishes top three, 
and it's really hard not to take a guy who goes one, one, 22nd, and then third. Um, yeah. yeah so that he would really, he would probably bump Burns or Bradley out if, if he does have a finish like that. Um, but then if you keep going down the list, Kiyama, great year, not good enough. Henley, great year, not good enough. Salatoris, not playing. And then you move down the list, English, Finau, Clark, or Kirk, I'm sorry, Tagala. None of these guys are even in no. the mix. Yeah, you, I think you, it's, you really got a handful of guys that yeah, you can I, even choose. I think you're you're 100% right with the top 10 are in. So Kepka, Spieth, Cam Young, Morikawa, 7, 8, 9, 10 are going to get in. Yeah. yeah. Spieth I, is an absolute lock. Spieth's absolute a lock. lock. Yeah. Spieth's and a lock. Kepka, I think Morikawa's a lock. be an absolute lock, but it, it may not be just because of the live thing. Correct. Yeah. I think he's in, though. I would put him on my team. I would also, I think he's also, I think Ricky Fowler's a lock. I think because everyone so. loves the guy. He's playing awesome. I think he's a, a lock. I has a ton of experience. So he jumps um, Burns. I would, yeah. I would, if it were and me, Keegan. I would eliminate Keegan. I would eliminate Keegan and I, it would be Fowler, Burns, and the only one that doesn't get in is Keegan. And everyone else um, is a lock. I mean, Keegan, like I said, he he did not play well as an individual in the professional match play events, but in the Ryder Cup, I mean, it's 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 respectable. Like I, I it's four three. Uh, he's two appearances, four and three. I mean, he's got a winning record. Like, yeah, yeah what's his Presidents not, Cup record too? You know, like what, you know that that's a good that's a good point. I don't I don't know what his Presidents Cup record. I know he has played in at least one or two of those. Um. But you know, and then then you compare him to Sam Burns or or Cam Young, who which not played in any of those. So yeah, so I, I have eleven guys on my squad. I don't know who that last spot I go to. Kepka, Spieth, Young, Morikawa, Fowler, and then it's is it Keegan, Sam Burns, Lucas Glover, or JT? One of those. JT, JT's not even in, like, not in the mix. I don't think I mean, he not is. Not, 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 I mean, he shouldn't be. I mean, and again, this has nothing to do with any other bullshit that we've talked no, about. No, yeah, he's, I got you. He's just not playing very well. I mean, and I, I and I've even said on this podcast, like I would, I think he is a ultimate Ryder Cup player, but like I don't think Zach Johnson. It would be a huge. It would be a big, big, um, a big disrespect to the other players who have actually played much better and have accumulated more points. I think if he did that, that he would lose a lot of respect for a lot of people if he did that. I don't think he's going to do that. It, it, again, if JT were playing great golf and was 13 or 14, based on his record in the Ryder Cup and how competitive he is, how tough he is, and guys want to play with him, then I could see where he would go that route. But it, with how poorly he played, he played okay at the Wyndham, but how poorly he played leading up to that. If he were to pick him, not play, not even making the, the playoffs – Man, it would be a lot of really. He would lose a lot of respect from a lot of people, and I don't think he's going to do that. Yeah, it's a. I mean, it's a long layoff. He's going to have in between because there's still four more weeks till this tournament. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's in two weeks. So, mm-hmm. um, you, you could even make that argument again. You could. You could make that argument again Mike's, and again. Mike's computer is restarting again. That's amazing. Every Monday night at this um, time. His computer is you know, I feel like we need to like just keep this going a little bit, you know, even at least for a couple minutes to explain how ridiculous this is to our to our listeners. Every single Monday night at 10 o'clock, Mike's computer will restart and he has no idea how to fix it. No idea how to change the schedule, but it happens every single time. We and here we are. Text. 
conference started. At 10, at 10 o'clock, his computer has restarted. That's and amazing. McLean and I are left to sit here and twiddle our thumbs. And Well, now you get the brain trust together. Now yeah. we can absolutely, absolutely spit some real golf knowledge without any sort of pushback from the Boston conglomerate. No pushback. No pushback. So let's go in on this. So the Celtics <laughs> suck. The Red Sox <laughs> suck. The Patriots suck. Uh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I can't wait till you edit this, Mikey. You're gonna. Oh, it's gonna be so good. Gonna be so good. <laughs> Man, that's fantastic. Just fantastic. Uh, <laughs> so. Uh, let me see here. So I'm trying to look at what Sam Burns did at the president's cup his record it's very hard to look up individual records it is it is I, I've, I've been able to find most of them but i can't find president's cup record for most of these guys i'm having a hard time as well but i do think at the end of the day uh, i'm sorry when it all as the dust when, clears when it as the dust out, settles as the when dust the cookie settles, crumbles when the cookie crumbles um I don't think Keegan's in. I mean, I, I I like the guy. Um, I spent a little bit of time representing his brand and pulled for him very often. But I think there are some better players just beneath him. And that may be really just one guy. I just think Ricky takes the spot. Yeah. Who, and it's omit. Keegan that goes out? That's what I think. I think Fowler takes Keegan's spot and you run Burns. Burns won the match play, which I think is a nod in his direction. Keegan's historically not been great in singles. Um, Colin Morikawa, I think, is a lock. Cameron Young, lock. Jordan Spieth, lock. And Kepka, lock. I mean, I, I, there, I, I, it would be the largest step ever in Ryder Cup history not to take the seventh guy on the ranking list. If you yeah, that, that, the seventh again. guy on the rankings list – with how few events that he's played in. You made a great sure. point, Jay. Sure. The guy has only played in a fraction of the events, and he's still kept his ranking. That is incredibly impressive. And, again, going back to something you also said, if he was playing in the remainder of the events, he, he would be qualified. It, it's No no question. There, no there's question. zero chance he's not a top six if he's not playing in the remainder of the events. So yeah. he has to be in um, to skip him would just, it would further the political divide between yeah. golf right now. And there's no point in doing that. He wouldn't do Zach wouldn't do that. I, I don't think he would do that. It would just create too much of an uproar. And I think you, you definitely have some people who want to say, you know, Hey, he, he didn't qualify. He's, he's a live guy. Don't put him on the team. But I think majority of the people, especially U.S. golfers, U.S. golf fans are like, hey, we want to win. Like, let's put the let's put the best players. And if he qualifies or if he's he's allowed to play, then let's put him on. In the same token, I think the same thing can, can be said for Justin Thomas in his situation. Had those roles been reversed, it would we would say the same thing for Justin Thomas. Yes, this guy needs to be playing on the on this team. But given the circumstances, and how he's played this year. It's like, ah, man, if you make me like, I think Zach Johnson wanted him to make it at least to this week. Like if he, if, if, if Justin Thomas could have made it through um, 
you know, in Memphis and into the BMW, maybe just didn't qualify for the East Lake and showed like three weeks of really solid, good play. He makes um, it. Then, then he, then he obviously probably wouldn't have qualified based on his, his numbers, but he would have been a lot closer. And Zach Johnson could have used his, his history uh, in the Ryder Cup, you know, to his advantage, but he just is not close enough. And he just played so poorly all, all year. No, um, I, it's I tough agree to bump 100%. Him if he makes the last two events and plays decent, I think he's in the conversation. Mm-hmm. As of mm-hmm. now, he's out and yeah. it's over. Do you, do you guys not take stock? Hey, I'm back, by the way. Good to see you guys again. Uh, yeah. Who is this? Who's... Wait till you edit this podcast. <laughs> Can't wait. I'm so excited. Nothing else going on. Um, do you guys take give any stock or credence to his partnership with Jordan Spieth, his relationship with Jordan Spieth, his competitiveness, his fieriness, the way he kind of antagonizes the fans on the road, the Euros, he can get under the skin of some people. Does yeah. that factor in at all? I, absolutely. Uh, I, I, no, 100%. I and you know m- more than anyone, I want him on the team. Mm-hmm. I just don't think you can go that far down because missing the playoffs. It's the same thing. It, it's I don't want to equivalent it to the exact same thing, but if you don't take Kepka, it's the same thing as taking Justin. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like we, that's kind of the point we were making earlier as you were coming back on. It's like, if he doesn't take Kepka, he's Zach Johnson is going to be ridiculed for it, especially if they lose. If they win, it, it will be an afterthought. But if he takes Justin Thomas and they lose, they're going to say, why did you take this guy? He played so poorly all year, especially the last three or four months. Why did you pick him and you cost yourself a chance to win? You know, the rock up. So okay, so I don't I mean he does make a good argument because he he does have a good relationship with the with the other guys on the team. But again, in the grand scheme of things, when you're playing in a in any type of competition, you, you want the best player. I you know, I don't I know that you could have been a good player or you you were a good player in the past, but I want the guy who's playing good right now, you know. Because it, it, all the other antics, you know, the semantics that they, they don't matter if you're not playing good. Like you can be the best coach all day and cheer, cheer, rah, rah. But if you're not playing good, then I don't want you to play with me. You know. All right. So, you guys think Ricky makes the team? Yes. And McLean says yes. I'm on the I'm on the fence. I'm on the fence. Okay. I kind of want to. I honestly want to see. I want to see how. I want to see how Lucas plays this week. If Lucas finishes in the top three or four, I feel like you got you got to put him on, and I feel like Ricky's Ricky's out, and then it's a matter of whether you get rid of Bradley or Burns. Okay, so you think it's two of those four? I think so. Yeah, it, it's pretty narrow. I mean, McCarthy, unfortunately, is is not. He's he's out. He's not. He's not on the team. And Thomas, obviously, at fifteenth, is not on the team based on his play. And, and it it really comes down to that. It's Burns, so Jay makes Burns, a great Fowler, point. Bradley, and Glover. Jay makes a great point. If Lucas was somehow, and he's only 300 points away, basically, a little less than that, he's only about 220 points away from McCarthy. So if he's able to jump those two, get into that 14th spot, and have a really good week, and I, I haven't done the math to know exactly if that's even mathematically possible, 
but it's is, close yeah. enough that if recent he's able recent to make, recent history. If he's able to make a, another great finish happen this week, how do you how do you not take him? I mean, when are we playing here? When is this? And, oh, I'm on the, and he wants and he wants to play on it so badly. Like like that's the, yeah. That's they all the person do. Though. You want yeah. They all really? do. They all. Keegan they all does. Keegan. Keegan still talks about how he never unpacked his his suitcase in the 2012 Ryder Cup. Yeah, no, no. I mean, they all want to play on it, but like it, for Ricky, he's like, I played on it. I played on it three times, and I got a little kid at home. Like, yeah, I want to make it. I do. I want to make it. I want to play on it. But it's like, yeah, if I don't get picked, I don't get. It. Lucas is he's at the tail end. Like he's like, I want to play on this team. He's even told that to the media. It's like, would you pick yourself? Hell yeah, I'd pick myself. I'm playing good right now. You know, so I mean, it's like there's a little extra motivation there because he has never played on it. He's at the he's at the the back end of his career, 43. This is his last probably shot to play on it. If he doesn't do it this week, if he does not play well at at East Lake, he is not going to play on the Ryder Cup in in 2025. It's not going to happen. Oh, oh no, no, this is his so, last last and only chance. So. There's certainly that element that maybe a little different. Ricky in his 30s, he still could definitely probably play in you know two or three more. Ricky's not uh, done. Rick, Rick, no, no question, no question. Easily two or three more team team competition appearances. So McLean, who's your last pick between JT Lucas, Keegan, Sam Burns? Burns. Burns. Yeah, I mean he won the match play this year. That to me is a big factor. And a, a match play competition, which ultimately is what the Ryder Cup is. JT, I want to be the guy, but you can't pick him without making the playoffs. I just don't think you can go that far. Um, Lucas, it depends on this week. As it sits right now, if I had to make the pick right this second, I would pick Burns. Um, now, now you want, now I want to dig more into it. Let me see what Burns did um, <laughs> past few weeks, but. I think well, not great, but again, the match play record, he understands how to play match play, which from, from a single standpoint, which is pretty cool. I mean, he, he beats, did he beat Rory or Scheffler in the semifinal match this year? Either way, one of the two, I mean, Cam Young, Cam Young, it was, it was Cam Young and, 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 uh, and Burns in the semi, the, in the, know, finals. In the finals, they beat Scheffler and Rory, you know, Two and three, or whatever you whatever the number was at that time, one and two, or one and three, whatever it was. I'm not sure where Rom was, but you know, I may I, now. I'm looking at Burns's history here. It hasn't been a good summer. It's not been a good summer. You know, Lucas may be may may overtake him based off of that. You know, he missed the cut at the Open, missed the cut at RBC, missed the cut at PGA. Uh, 29th at Masters. He did finish 32nd at the U.S. Open, but neither of those are great finishes that you you, you look back on and you say, "Man, he, he he did well in big competition." He missed the cut in two of the four majors. Um, he's not had a top ten since the Charles Schwab in May, and before that, he did win the Dell Match Play in March, and he finished top six at Valspar. And he finished six at the Phoenix Open, but he does not have a ton of top tens. And he's got four top tens on the year, one win from the Dell match play, 
I, I might need to, I might have to favor Lucas. I, with those guys, it comes down to this week. And you also have to take out the, um, the given strokes from that. You have to look yeah. at what these guys actually shoot, what their true score to par is this week to, to take a look at that. Because obviously Lucas is getting more points sure. than Sam Burns is. But if Lucas shoots, you know, 71, 69, 68. And you know, look at their gross score, not their net their score. Their gross score. That's exactly right. It has, it has, there, there's a lot there. And I'll say it, it's tough to say for certain because I think they're both good picks. I think they're both deserving. But it's going to come down to what, what happens, what's most recent. You know, I don't know that we'll see either of these guys play between the Tour Championship and the Ryder Cup, which will do us a disservice. It will be interesting to see. When do picks get made? The week after, after the this tour week. championship? After this week. After I, think this week. I think it's after this week. Yeah. Because there is no other event. I mean, the the wraparound season starts in a little bit, but that's not even now part of the actual 2024 season anymore. So I doubt any of these guys are going to play in that because there's really no point. So, and the one thing that we haven't discussed, and I, because I don't know anything about the golf course, but is course fit. Right? How does a game? How does a player's game stack up on that golf course in Rome? I know nothing about it, so I'm not going to comment on it. But um, that should be a guy like Glover, who is such a great ball striker. If he's putting well, in combination with his ball striker, there's not a format you don't like him in. Yeah, I mean he he hits the ball so well, both you know driver and his iron play. It's like yeah, if he's putting half decent. You don't need to play him five rounds either. You just play him an alternate shot, right? Where he's just going to be a ball striking machine. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't think either of these guys play every match. No, and yeah, we're talking about a guy that's probably only going to play two or three matches. So, um, yeah, it's interesting. Again, I think it's just kind of a cool check in every week we've been doing as as things change and progress. And um, Ryder Cup years are great. I love Ryder Cup years. So. Um, excuse me. USAM, did you guys catch any of the USAM this week? I did. I watched before we go there. Before we go there, sorry, real quick. One more stat: what we were just talking about between Burns and Glover. Mm -hmm. They both have five top five, five top tens this year. Glover has two wins. Burns has one, so he has a slight advantage in season and the wins are much closer to the event and what have you done for me lately yeah so both of them have five top fives five top tens but five top tens i'm sorry glover has two wins and also his last few events i mean he is well yeah and like all his top tens have been since like june 1st yeah uh really july 1st yeah um, which is even more of an argument in this case. I mean, you could say June 1st, but T4, T6, 5th, 1st, playoff 1st, and T22. So if you look at what have you done for me lately, Lucas Glover gets the nod. So that, And you know that's often how it comes into it. We dig into these stats a little bit more, and you get a little bit more insight into it. Um, I would have to give the nod to Lucas over Burns at this point. I, I would 100% back that after digging more into it. Especially if you look at what has happened across the season, what has happened, and what have you done for me lately? Um, you, you know what is it? Time. 
is it is it almost like uh you know i wonder if zach johnson's like hey it's it's lucas or 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 I mean, it'd be kind of cool if he just came out and said it's lucas or sam burns hey whoever wins gets in <laughs> i, I kind of cool. would like him to say that and be like put the pressure on him like who it's a, you guys have a little match within the the tour championship whoever beats the other person you're in you're in and that, it, and it almost kind of takes the guesswork out of it like hey guys my yeah. team is set you don't know every you don't know everyone but this is the this is 11 and 12 so yeah. hey you guys go after it i i, I kind of respect that and then it, it kind of give the guys a a way to kind of earn it. And like, if you don't get it, you're like, Hey, he told me what it, he told me the, the game. He told me the parameters and go, go get it. If you don't do it, you're like, Hey, I get it. I respect it. I didn't play well enough. You know, that cause was, that would it, be pretty badass. he's in a position where luckily enough, the, both of these guys are in, in the, in the final, or maybe he says to Ricky, uh, Lucas and, and, uh, you know, Keegan. Yeah. Or Keegan or Sam, I guess it could be any four, all four of them. Just say, hey, you know, two of the four. Um, I don't know. That'd be kind of cool. That'd be different. We haven't heard that well, before. It looks to me as it's it's Ricky or Keegan, Lucas or Sam. That kind of looks like the matchup from where I'm sitting. And I think a lot of that comes down to this week. They're all four playing, correct? I think the Keegan made it, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, all four of them are in the field. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Tough. There we go. Tough, tough. All right, USM. Jay, you watched some of it? I did. Yep, I watched. I kind of was going back and forth. Um, uh, Neil Shipley actually played three years at James Madison before he transferred to Ohio State. So, oh, really? Yeah. I, I, unfortunately, I didn't have a chance to play with him or catch up with him other than just follow scores and see the name. And I was like, man, I know that name. I just can't be the same guy. And then I, you know, Googled it. And the, it, what was cool is that the, the JMU website popped up first before the Ohio state website. Um, Cause most of his, you know, credentials are from his time at JMU, but yeah, you know, we still gave him a big shout out on, on Instagram and social media, you know, cool to see any, see any former Duke uh, play, I I didn't realize he was you know that type of player. Um, I think he he qualified at, what he was like in the forties as the forty something seed to play in the yeah in the finals. And and, and I mean he obviously had a tough road having this 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 guy that he played had a pedigree. Obviously joined Tiger as the only the second player to ever Nick win Dunlap. the U.S. Junior Dunlap. The only the second player to ever win the U.S. Junior and the U.S.A.M. Um, the the next mind blowing stat is that there's only been two players to ever win one U.S. Junior and one USAM, <laughs> but Tiger won three U.S. Juniors and three <laughs> USAMs, and he won all six of those consecutively, which just this is like is pretty nuts. <laughs> that's insane. It's yeah. insane. Yeah. Um, but anyway, you know, back to the point. Um. Yeah, I mean it was it it really came down to the end and, and Shipley missed a putt there on the 32nd hole. He was three down, he missed a bogey putt to go four down, and that was pretty much that was pretty much it. Got some uh, sweet lettuce, got some real nice flow and lettuce there. That's Shipley. A lot of flow, big boy, six three, two fifty, hits it hard, one eight, mid one eighty ball speed. I didn't realize he was he was bringing that much heat, dropping that much D, but he was doing it. Dropping that bus. Yeah. I love it. He was dropping yeah. that driver. 
He was yeah. dropping that driver. I'm glad Don't you said that. Not me. Went right to the gutter. Uh, yeah. We're so, clipping that for Instagram. Um, <laughs> one thing I got to point out about the USAM, which I think is incredibly cool. Did you see the brothers? Maxwell Ford and David Ford both make it to the round of 16. Yeah, well, David's a stud. He's like the number four ranked amateur in the world. They're both University of North Carolina Brewers. Tar Heels, baby. Tar Heels, baby. Did you also see that four Tar Heels made the Walker Cup team? Um, Four. I didn't know three of them made it. Four Tar Heels made the Ryder Cup team, and that is Austin Greaser, Ford, Manetti. Who was the fourth? Um, oh, hold please. I know they just announced the team today. Dunlap was already on the team before he won. Yeah, I mean, he's a stud, he's I think number nine world ranking before this win. Shipley was in like a hundred, like the 130th, somewhere in there, and in, in the the wagger, the world amateur golf rankings. The, the, story, the story I want to talk about while you look that up, McLean, is the kid from UVA. That made the Sweet 16. Did you guys catch this story? No, but I'd love to hear it. So there's two guys from UVA in the Sweet 16. Ben James, who's going into his sophomore year, is a stud. He's number five, number six in the amateur world rankings, has won a bunch. It's already got like a Puma sponsorship now. And oh made, yeah, did see him. Yeah. Made the cut at Travelers. So I was watching his match. He went into extra holes and this was late, whatever night that was, Thursday night, maybe Friday night. And they then flipped to this last match that got started so late because this other kid from UVA, Paul Chang, Chinese kid, his previous match went uh, 30, no, sorry, went 22 holes. So mm-hmm. they were on, only on like hole 15 when all these other matches were done. They still had four or five holes left. And he's wearing a UVA golf shirt i'm like man i don't recognize this kid's name and i know most of the guys on on the uva team i'm like who is this kid and they start telling his story he's gone to uva for three years he went to boarding school in london came over to the united states he either wanted to go to cal or uva chose uva because it was closer three guys sorry so three guys okay there you go um he bugged bowen Sargent every summer He's like, I want to play on your golf team. He's only been playing golf for six years. He's like, I want to play on your golf team. And Bowen's like, I just, you know, I'm not sure you're going to help us. You know, why don't you try to try to join the club team at UVA? And you that's know. every that's summer. So this guy, this kid worked his ass off practicing, playing all the time. He would rent a moped to go to the Birdwood golf course, the UVA golf course. He'd practice rain, sun, snow, like, Every day, this kid was at their practice and playing on the club team. And every summer, he'd email Bowen Sargent, the head coach. I want to, I want to play on the team. He's like, no, sorry, no, sorry. Kind of got annoying. Bowen said in in the interview. And then this past summer, Bowen went down to Williamsburg to watch the USM qualifying because he was trying to recruit this other high school kid that happened to be paired with Paul Chang. Paul Chang shoots sixty four in front of Bowen. In the the qualifier. And then in the second round of the qualifier, makes a birdie on 17, makes an up and down, a crazy up and down for par on 18 to get into the USAM. And he's like, oh, shit, this kid's a stud. I might actually have to be able to use him. They had two kids that 
Um, we're supposed to transfer in from the transfer portal. Did not come, so he had some spots available. The other UVA kids and parents were telling Bowen, like, I think this kid's actually legit. <laughs> Goes into the USAM unranked. There's like 5,000 AMs that are ranked. He's unranked. That's... Makes match play. Takes down uh, Caleb Surratt, the former number one world. Uh, Tennessee. Tennessee player. From Tennessee, 19-year-old. Future of the game. Stud. Paul Chang didn't even know who he was. Like, he's so new to tournament golf. He had no idea who these people were that he were beat- he was beating. <laughs> he makes it to the sweet 16 i turn on this match he's on the 15th hole he hits the flagstick par three drills the flagstick comes back off the green gets up and down for par he goes to the next hole john wood was the on-course reporter on the 16th hole he goes he's got the exact same yardage he just had on the last hole he hit the flagstick the kid one hops it in the hole for an eagle <laughs> Then it was an unbelievable match. The, the other kid, I forget who was playing, a kid from Auburn, um, who was kind of a douchebag. I was not rooting for him. He hit to like six inches on 17. Match goes all square. They have lights on the 18th green so they could see. End up being tied. The kid from Auburn hit it in the water off the team, made an unbelievable up and down uh, to save par, and they had to go back the next day, and unfortunately, Paul Chang made made a double and lost a sweet 16 match, but just a, a really cool story of like perseverance unranked, like does not give a shit who these other kids are that he's beaten. And I love um, that. It, you got to start cool. somewhere. Got to start somewhere. You got to start somewhere. That's where the confidence starts. And you're like, you know, Hey, I, I beat that guy. Like Kayla Surratt. I mean, top 10 amateur golfer and or at least NCAA golfer. Yeah. In the, in the country. I mean, the kid's is absolute stud, and you you take him down in the first second match of match play of the USAM. Like, okay, here we go. Yep, I can I can do this. I can play. It Kinda was cool. just the yeah. It was really it cool. Was a cool, cool story. I love the USAM. Uh, these kids are fucking impressive nowadays. Yeah, yeah. They're right like, around the corner. I, I Gordon Sarge. I've been actually playing most of my golf here at Vanderbilt Legends Club, which is right around the corner from my house. Um, great staff out there, incredible facility. They uh, they know how to treat people. Um, but Gordon Sargent, from what I've heard, they talk about, and this is no, throwing no shade at anyone else on the team. Um, but I've had I've heard a couple of guys say, he's just different. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot of great, great players out there. The Paul Chang story is incredible. Um, I think you're starting to see, especially if you look at the amateurs and the amount of guys that were in this event, China's producing some good golfers. I don't know if it's forced, (laughs) 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 but these guys can flat out play some golf and golf their ball. So, um, I mean, this kid, obviously no one, I mean, who knows, but no one seemed to force him to, you know, drive to the range every day and hit balls in range, you know, rain, sun, or shot or rain, sun, or snow. So, yeah, well, we got it. This is pretty cool. We we do got to give a shout out to the Tar Heels, though, real quick. You they just have, we? we're, 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 we're going back in on the world amateur golf rankings. They have three players inside of the top eight. That That's is awesome. pretty impressive good. for any college organization. I, I'm fortunate that this argument. Benefits my Tar Heels, but on Did the they win the national the- championship this year with that stud lineup. Mike, why you want to ruin a good thing? Why you got to bring up old shit? <laughs> you know we're having a Mike. Good just wait for 
wait for the dust to settle so he can finish this. But here, here's here's all I'm saying. It's tough to it's tough to get that many of the top amateur players on one squad. It's very difficult to do so. Uh, oh yeah. Well, really Manetti was a transfer. Stuff. He he left. He was at Pepperdine. He was a stud there, yeah. and yeah. I think he got into some sort of spat with the coach and disagreement, and he went cross country and, and transferred to UNC. Uh, yeah, I guess last summer. Yeah, but it's it's a it's a good squad they have over there. Um, shout out to Stuart Hagestad making. I can't believe he made the team again. Fifteen. I'm surprised at that. He's fifteen ranked in the world. So they you talk about going down deep for a pick. I kind of uh, got Stu Hagestad, like, I don't know. Like, can we get some other young kids in there? Like, we've all seen Stu Hagestad. Can- Bunch of good ones. I mean, un- right under him, Preston Summerhays. Bruce Summerhays is, uh, I believe, his son or his nephew. His uh, nephew. His nephew. Yeah, great, great player. Uh, T- Tony Finau is like his adopted big brother. That's right. That's right. Yeah. No, well, isn't that, isn't that, uh, who's Tony's coach? Is it Boyd? Boyd Summerhays. There's a whole bunch that's, of Summerhayses. There's Daniel right, Summerhays. Bruce Summerhays, which I think is Boyd's or um Boyd's yeah, dad. Boyd, Boyd's son is is this this is Boyd's son that you're this talking is Boyd's about. son, Preston. Yeah. yeah. Correct. And yeah. Boyd is an incredible coach out in Scottsdale. Um and then you've got it's just it's cool to see generational talent be given down and see success and everything that they're doing. I mean, these, the summer Hayes are creating a, a name for themselves um, with what they're doing I mean, in off world. And, and it does. Daniel, take- Daniel just finished top 10 in the corn fair event this week. I mean, he's still playing. I mean, he's, oh, still, he's still and doing it to, to a lot of people out there. That name would go unrecognized, but to us three that are very in tune to what's going on. Daniel's they- a great player. What they've got going on is really impressive. It's so hard to create that many great players with the same last name with the same bloodline. It's yeah. just hard to do it in golf. Well, and Boyd's and Boyd's daughter. Uh, I don't know how old she is, but she's a teenager. She's she's coming. She's next. She's uh, dominant in the junior ranks and in the in the girls' game. So, um, yeah, they're they're the summer hazes are pumping them out. Yeah, this is not a drill. So, but the Walker Cup will be cool this year. They're playing St. Andrews for the Walker Cup. Oh, that's awesome. Gonna yeah. be awesome. But see, yeah, you know, so that goes back to what we were talking about for the FedEx Cup playoffs. USM at a, a historic venue like St. Andrews, let's do that with our playoff events. Let's go ahead and elevate them to that level because the Walker Cup at St. Andrews is something we all want to see. I mean, the last one was was the last Walker Cup at um Seminole. Uh, I believe it was at Seminole. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. If we can get a Walker Cup at these venues, let's. I know the Walker Cup doesn't create the same sort of um, footprint that a, a playoff tour event would create with the amount of fans that they will bring in. Um, it's a shame that the Walker Cup doesn't. I, I, I would probably, as a golf purist, like being at the Walker Cup more at some of these venues. I mean, if you tell me I could go to um, the Walker Cup at Seminole, versus playoff event at TPC Southwind in Memphis. I, I can I can promise you I'm going to Seminole uh, 10 out of 10 times. Yeah. Yeah. Especially you can just walk right next to these kids and, you know, no ropes. and Such a cool, cool venue and such a cool tournament. 
So, um, all right, let's let's get into our last picks. Well, of... whoa, 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 whoa! We're, we're not, we're still not talking rollback. No, <laughs> we got some, we got some slow weeks ahead of us. The season's wrapping up. We get the next few weeks are going to be slow. We got time. <laughs> we're an hour and a half into this, you know. Oh, we got time for the rollback. <laughs> when you're ready to talk rollback, just pencil me in as available. I, 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 you know, you've, you've kind of let me know that. So we're good. All right. Duly, duly noted. So picks for the tour championship. Our season long DraftKings is coming to a conclusion. I have a chance. I have a chance. I won again. I need to win. McLean needs to come in last. And you'll beat him. And I'll beat him. Oh wow! This I've, is, I've won. He won once, the last couple weeks. I understood like, that the purse. I've won like four of the last six weeks, something like yeah, that. So once the purse got, you know, decimated, my my caring's gone out the window. <laughs> Nothing got decimated. Oh no! The, in the early in the year, that we can go back. We it's recorded. It's on Spotify. And go back. There was there. Let's just get into the picks. Let's not get into this. <laughs> go ahead, Mike. Go ahead, Mike. All right, so I I we were talking about this before the show started. This is hard to to pick on DraftKings because of this whole net staggered start bullshit that they're doing. So yeah, all right, here we go. I'm just going to give you what I what I got. I I just try to pick some guys that I think just flat out no matter where they're starting, I think they're going to play well at this venue. Um play well this week and they fit in the dollars, and, and we'll just see where it ends up. So, I'm going to start at the bottom. Sixty-one hundred dollars. We've talked about him a bunch. Sam Burns playing well, ish. Needs to impress the captain. Think this golf course fits his game, so I'm going to go there. Then I'm going to go up to um, Lord Tyrell Hatton. Sixty-nine hundred dollars gets in. By the skin of his teeth. But I like him on a tough golf course, ball striking golf course. Then I will go to uh, my man. I haven't picked him much this year, but I talked about him earlier. He's having a, a sneaky good year ball striking. One of his best ever, 7,700 Colin Morikawa. Then I'm going to go to Tom Kim. Just had a top 10 finish. $7,900. This guy's due to win a tournament. I don't know if it's this week. It's probably not this week with the staggered start, but 8,800 Tommy Fleetwood. And then I'm going to ride him. 12,500 Victor Hovland. Starting second. I like the value. He's third in the DraftKings, but he's starting second on the staggered leaderboard. And uh, I like him. Victor Hovland's going to win again. I like it. I like it. Good picks. I decided to go uh, not a totally different route, but a little bit of a different route. Uh, my top pick, Mr. Max Homa. I think he can shoot something low out there, ball striker, and uh, potentially contend. Moving down from there, I have UGA alum, which I think is important because I know they played a lot of golf at this golf course. Brian Harmon. plays. This guy has proven he can hit hybrids from anywhere. He can play any golf course. I, 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 if he can play well at Olympia Fields the way he did, he can play well at any golf course. 
Um, so I got Brian Harmon in there, 9,500. Moving down from there, UGA alum on a little bit of a heater, Russell Henley. Got him at 8,300, a guy that I guarantee has played this golf course, knows it very well, has a lot of history there. He's been playing really well, really, really, really well. If you look at his stats. This, really, I think arguably this is his best year. Yeah. If you look at it all the way down the down the list, I think I think this is his best year. Absolutely. Um, yeah, then for sure. I, I mean, he, he's played he's only played this golf course twice in competition. Uh, but 2017 was the last time he played in the tour championship, which it's kind of mind blowing to me. You know, yeah, it's won a few years, times seven years yeah. ago. Yeah, no, that um, is, but I think that there's he. I just know that the guy well. has a lot of history there. I know that UGA has played East like a ton. Well, he finished so. third in 2017 and 12th in 2014. So, yeah, yeah, I, I feel like he's going to play well. Um, down from there, my last three picks are all Ryder Cuppers Colin Morikawa, 7,700. Jordan Spieth, 6,700. Tyrrell Hatton, 6,900. Nice. I like it. Nice. Good. Um, I like those. I like all those picks. I mean, I, I like all of y'all's picks every week. Um, just ends up being the picks that I didn't make and I've lost the last four weeks. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm super happy about that. Um, I'm going to give Adam Shank another try at 5,200 bucks. <clears throat> I like this guy's, I like this, his purse persona. I like his drive. I think I, I like where he is and what he's trying to do. Again, he qualified. He's kind of towards the back end, but I do think that he's has a good week. Again, he's at the back end with the points and so forth, but that's also why he's 5200 $5, bucks. I think he plays well. I think he finishes in the top 15, which would be huge for a guy. 5200 bucks finishing in the top 15. Um, then I bump up to Jordan Speed. Um, same kind of situation. I'm not sure where he's starting the the week here, but he's he, even. He's starting at even. He he's at that point. Okay. I mean, he's he's had some success here as well. Obviously, I mean, he's won. He's won this event. I mean, it's been a while, 2015, but he's got a couple top tens, uh, a win, a second place, and you know. He, He's a, he does have a flair for the dramatic and he also wants to solidify himself as, as a, as a Ryder cupper, which he already is. But I think, um, this is his chance to just show that he deserves to be on it. Um, so then I bump up, you know, again, those are my two kind of low end picks. And then I go up to kind of middle, middle of the road, Sung JM 8,500 bucks. Again, another guy who's has had some success here and he's been playing, He's been playing well. I, I feel like overall he had one weird finish at the 3M, but it, he just missed the cut. He said he shot 70, 71. It's not like he played, not like he shot 78. Um, but outside of that, seventh last week, six at the FedEx, 14th at the Wyndham, 20th at the Open Championship. So, you know, prior to that, I mean, he's been playing some good golf. And like I said, he does have success at this, at this event. And then I jump up to Tommy Fleetwood. I really think Tommy Fleetwood – I don't think he can win because I think he's too far back to start, but I think he plays really well and and makes it interesting at eighty eight hundred bucks. You know, again, I'm not trying to get too far ahead of myself, but I think Tommy Fleetwood, twenty twenty four, watch out for Tommy Fleetwood. The year of Tommy Lad. I mean, I 
he's going to win. He's definitely going to win on the PGA Tour. And there's a good chance that I put some uh, some shekels down on Tommy Fleetwood uh, on the PGA Tour. But And I think that he definitely has a chance to win a major. Does he do it? I don't know. He's going to be in the mix, and at least a couple of them. But anyway, um, eighty-eight hundred bucks. And then, sorry, I missed. Uh, I missed my boy who loves East Lake, Tony Finau, seventy-five hundred bucks. Hmm. He likes. He likes playing here. He has not been playing great as of late, um, but he's got four top tens, an eleventh, a seventeenth, and a fifteenth, and six appearances at at the Tour Championship, all consecutive in the last six years. This is like there's courses for horses, and this is made for him. You know, I don't even I don't horses care how he's been playing. Yep, there's courses for horses. Okay, just just checking in. Yeah, I think I think he's. What did I say? There's horses for courses. No, I thought I said courses for horses. Maybe not. I think I think it kind of works either way. Yeah, horses for courses, for sure. <laughs> horses for courses. I, did I, I say? I'm just paying horses, but either way, homage to Tony. Okay, I'm paying homage, but either way, homage or homage. (laughs) Um, I think Tony's going to finish in the top top ten. I'm I'm hoping top five, but seventy five hundred bucks will be a big a big jump. And then, last but not least, your three time FedEx Cup winner. Has there ever been a three time FedEx Cup winner? I don't think so. No, but this is going to be a three time FedEx Cup winner. Rory McIlroy is going to win at East Lake. Mark my words. And Mike, I don't want to ruin your 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 swan song here to finish the season, but you're okay. If Rory wins, I'm going to win the this DraftKings, and you're not going to beat McLean. That's true. That's all right. But you know what? Good luck to you. I think it's it's going to happen. Rory's going to win. I felt like I had to pick Rory one of the top three. I still don't win. There is a chance that that happens, but Rory is going to win. Rory wins. Rory wins. I like it. I mean, he's he's been playing well. I mean, the guy's been up there every week. Lexus Golf Course won there last year. It's um here twice. Yeah. So all right. Cool. Uh Jens, anything else? Nope. This week. Season finale. East Lake. And we'll be back uh to break it all down next week. Roll back. <laughs> Talk Cheers. a little roll back. Cheers, fellas. Adios. Roll back. <laughs>